What are you doing, Glenn? Michaelis? Is that you? Yes, of course it's me. Oh. I see you, you were trying to escape, Glenn. No, I, I promise. If you escape, you won't hear the spoilers. I, I, can't, I, I don't want to hear them. You must hear them, Glenn. The, no. You must hear them and also carry my child. Oh, well, okay. The following podcast contains spoilers for Demon Seed. You have been warned. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of KF Hour News Radio. This is your host, Mc- Miguel Magusto. I don't know why I've been saying it. It's been stuck for some reason in that pattern <laughs> that I've been saying Miguel Magusto first instead of Glenjamin Button. I don't know. And it's, fr- it's freaking me out. I feel like I'm in the Matrix. Do you want to take fact, that over again? Or no, going? I don't. I want to keep it. <laughs> so I'm Miguel Magusto, and you <laughs> yes, are. Yes, I am Glenjamin Button. <laughs> Uh, it's been a while, Glenn. It has been a hot minute. For for most people, it hasn't been, but for you and I, yes. it has. Yes, you went on a little vacay. Yes, sir. Got a little R&R. I, people say that, and I have no idea what it means. Do you know what it um, means? I, I do, but now that I'm put on the spot, I don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went on vacation upstate, and uh, you know, I, my family has a little cabin up there. And I'll tell you what... Uh, I had a lot of relaxation time, but it was boring as fuck the whole time. That's one uh, of the R's, is rest and relaxation. Yes. Is, yes, that, R&R. is that what it is? Well, there's a bunch. There's, there's rock and roll. There's rest and oh, relaxation. Rules yes. and regulations. Resource and referral. Read and review. When people talk about vacations, I assume they mean rest and relaxation and none of those yes. other ones. Maybe rock and roll, but... See? They, yeah. We figured it out. Look at we us. We did it. We cracked the code. Um, but yeah, so like I went upstate and then it it rained most of the time, mm-hmm. so I, I was stuck indoors unwillingly, which wasn't fun. Um, yeah. But I did get to see a bunch of movies and play a few games, so that you know was the main purpose of the trip besides going out and taking photos of nature and stuff. Of course, <laughs> but of course, fuck that. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's 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 see. Shall I go down my list of things of six hundred things that I've saw this week? <laughs> I am very interested. Uh, yeah, I didn't get to post them on Instagram, so I know you're, other than maybe looking at Letterboxd, you didn't get to see any of these. I haven't looked at your Letterboxd. The anticipation is killing me. <laughs> Let's talk about it then. <laughs> so, <laughs> for some reason, right out of the gate, I swung and I went right for a Matthew McConaughey film. A uh, little little backstory to The Mountains is, like, I got a shit ton of DVDs from my aunt and uncle at one point, and... I was like, I collect Blu-rays now instead of DVDs, so I sent them all up to the cabin. So, uh, luckily, I have a plethora of DVDs there that I haven't seen. So we started out with Sahara, a Matthew McConaughey film, along with Penelope Cruz and Steve Zahn. Um, this is the most uncharted movie I think we're gonna get for a long time. Yes, I know, Glenn. There's an uncharted movie coming out. I, I. I don't think I want to recognize it. Hopefully, I'll take back those words and eat them. But uh, 
this movie was so uncharted without actually being the game uncharted, like having any of the characters or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was so it was very fun, um, and just very energetic. You know, yeah, uh, Matthew McConaughey would have made for a great uh, uh, Nathan Drake. And uh, after that, I uh, was on a little bender here. I scratched my neck, and I, I was like, I gotta watch Al Pacino movies for Hoo-ah. some reason. Hoo-ah. And speaking of, uh, that's the movie I watched was Scent of a Woman, where. Uh, Obviously, Al Pacino, he plays a, uh, a blind uh, veteran, and uh, I think did, I think he won an award for that, an Academy Award for this role. Possibly. Um, Let's see. Yeah, it was, actually, it was actually really good. I enjoyed it a lot. I know there's a lot of people where they're like, oh, he played so many different roles, and this is the Academy Award he gets. But I think overall, I mean, he does seem to... I don't know if this was really the role that kind of got him into... The acting that he does now, but this is this is you could tell this is like the start of where he started to get over the top with most of his roles, yeah, uh, because he's just very loud, very uh, oh, oh, yeah, oh, and just <laughs> stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I just did, but it felt good, <laughs> good doing it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was a good film, I liked that a lot, uh, and so I started off again, I was like scratching my neck, I need, I need more Pacino, I need more Pacino. And then I watched And Justice for All, which is uh, one of his beginning films, 1979. I really enjoyed this movie, and it was a great... Uh, obviously, you know more about law than I do, you know, being in the field I mean, of work that I, you were I know, in. I know injury law because um, of what I work with. Not, not yeah. much else, but... <laughs> but hey, that's more than me. Um, but yeah, this, I, this was like a great like lawyer film. Just great lawyer, just great court, and just like... The lifestyle they, you know, most, obviously it's a little bit probably more dramatic than uh, most people's, but it just kind of the lifestyle they live and what they have to deal with and stuff like that. And Pacino just gives such a great performance and it really was a great movie. Um, after that, I watched a movie with Willem Dafoe, Robert Redford, and Helen Mirren called The Clearing. This is just one I, I saw that I didn't obviously see before and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. This is a nice little break from the couple movies that I just watched. Just a little one to put on in the background while I hopefully pass out. And I didn't. I watched the whole movie, goddammit. And it, uh, it was pretty good. I liked, I liked everybody. It was nothing um, over the top or just like... Um, uh, how do I explain it? Just It was not, not, not a really crazy story. you know. Understood it. Yes. Um... Robert Redford I, gets uh, kidnapped, held for ransom, and then he, you know some things happen. Who knows? Yeah. By Willem Dafoe. Um, I have that on DVD because I went through a uh, a Willem Dafoe kick mm-hmm. in um, like 2005, 2006, pretty much right when I, around when I started working, and just had like no bills, so I just spent all my money on movies and food. Oh, so did I just, you, uh, did I just you, bought everything and every anything and everything. You should rate that on that or uh, Letterboxd real quick. You goof, you goofball, the clearing. Uh, I don't remember it, so I have to oh, rewatch it. Time to rewatch it. Hey, I'll have yeah. you over. I remember. You'll have me over. I remember one specific part where they uh, they're like tracking the bills. Yeah. And and Willem Dafoe spends it at a grocery store. That is pretty much the ending. Yeah, that's the only part I remember. Um, But I I remember enjoying it, but being, I watched it when I was like 16, and it was a little too slow paced for my stupid teenage brain. You know what's funny is I I think I I did the same thing. Like, I think I watched this before, but that's the only part that I remembered. 
Mm-hmm. But of course, I'm sitting there. I'm like, I never watched this movie in my life. So it was like a deja vu thing or something. Mm-hmm. And like maybe I just saw it passing by when it was on the TV or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely want to rewatch it. Yeah, it was it was good. The conversations that Willem Dafoe and Robert Redford have are just it's really that really is what makes the film. Yeah, is those moments where they're sitting down talking to each other. Um, but uh, after that, I watched Big Trouble in Little China again uh, because I, I kind of I I think this is one that I was watching right before I went to bed, so I don't really remember too much. I just remember it being really fun and really great. And rewatching it, it was really fun and really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, probably one of the best John Carpenter's uh, that he, other than The Thing for me, is probably his best film for me. Um, yeah, I really like Big Trouble. Not saying that there's you know, too much. I'm going to offend a lot of people with this. Yeah. <laughs> not saying that there's too much that are on par with you know those two. But One of my, uh, my film my editing classes in film school, mm-hmm. they gave us like a scene from that movie. They gave us the raw footage from it and uh, had us edit it without special effects, obviously, but it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll always remember big trouble in little China, little China for that reason. And it's just a good movie. Yeah. I just, I loved how chaotic and just fast it was. Mm-hmm. Like it, it didn't just stay on a scene for too long. It just kept moving and moving I, I genuinely love that about the second watch is just noticing. Well, obviously, you could probably watch that on the first watch and be like, yeah, that obviously, Glenn, you fucking idiot. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, moving on after that, I watched a movie called Fracture with uh, Ryan Gosling and Anthony Hopkins uh, and Rosamund Pike, of course. Um, this this was an interesting film. Uh, is this one where like you kind it's kind of a dumb movie, but it's genuinely kind of good in a way. Um, just, uh, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a little, little burn a like of a movie. Yeah. I, th- I think the worst part about this is Ryan Gosling has like this Southern twang accent this, this, the whole time through. And it, it doesn't at least work for me. I'm sure for a couple people out there, it's like, Oh man, say more, please say more. But, uh, but no, Anthony Hopkins was obviously he's fantastic, and Ryan Gosling he was he's good chemistry with Anthony Hopkins, and uh, Rosamund Pike was great in there as well. But it wasn't too much to be like, holy shit, what a good fucking film. Mm-hmm. It was just good. Uh, after that, I watched The Panic in the Needle Park, uh, Panic in Needle Park, which is apparently Pacino's first major film, I believe. Um, and one thing about watching all of these Pacino films, I do have to say, is that. Uh, there are some thirsty ass people on Letterboxd when they uh, review his movies. <laughs> like, uh, actually, one that I didn't even rate on Letterboxd uh, that I'll have to get to in a hot minute. But uh, this this was great. Um, he he did a pr- fantastic performance as like a drug addict, and you know how it got other people hooked on it with his personality and just you know. Uh, one that I would actually recommend that you watch if you you haven't already. I don't think you have. I have not seen it. No. So yeah, that as well. You know, Pacino. It was a great week for Pacino for me. <laughs> and after that, I watched The Plea. Ooh, dear God, what a what a good movie! If you haven't heard of that movie, listen yeah. up, because dear God, it's like now that was that was fun being at the uh, premiere with you, having that. Um, obviously, it was Mike's film, Miguel Magusto's. You know, I'll let it's a me. I'll let people see that in real life before I just keep talking about it. (laughs) And then after that, I watched a movie called My Hero Academia, World Heroes Mission. That's an animated movie. I'll, like, skim past that because that's boring as fuck. Then we watched a movie called Antlers. Last Night in Soho I apparently didn't rate as well. 
And you also miss uh, Dune. And I also miss Dune. And then, yeah. of course, I watched Demon Seed. And then the last one that I'm going to talk about is Carlito's Way, which is the, uh, the other <laughs> the other Pacino movie that I wanted to actually talk about. The Thirst reviews was, I wish Al Pacino would kick down a door and have sex with me. <laughs> it's like, you guys <laughs> need to calm down when you're watching these movies and reviewing them afterwards. Yeah, really. Relax. Yeah, for uh, that's, real. I would like to say that's all I watched. So, yeah. Mike, let's move on to you, uh, you silly goose. I watched one. I did not watch nearly as much because I have not been on vacation. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, mm-hmm. four, 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 four. I watched nine movies. Uh, the first one I watched was uh, Moby Dick, 1956 film mm-hmm. with Gregory Peck. Uh, and Orson Welles is in there for a hot minute. Uh, Richard Basehart. It is directed by uh, John Huston. Um, many people know him from... Uh, uh, the Other Side of the Wind, a movie yep. we, we reviewed on this, and he's also a really good director. Treasure Sierra Madre is my favorite John Huston movie, but I digress. Moby Dick, uh, this was an okay movie. Uh, Moby Dick is one of those movies, one of those books where no movie has been able to match the quality of the source material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is probably the closest that I've seen. Um, pretty interesting. Really, my only complaint is that Gregory Peck is about. 20 years younger than Captain Ahab should be. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's 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 an okay movie, but, uh, you know, impressive for being in, in the 50s. Uh, then I watched Dune. Uh, we have Ooh. a little review of that on the YouTube, so you can check that out for any of our thoughts. Uh, then me and the little guy watched The Nightmare Before Christmas because... I was actually going to ask what you guys watched. Like, I saw, obviously, the photos and stuff, but I didn't, I didn't well, ask. Well, we didn't see it in theaters. We saw oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, but we... Uh, I guess we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, we watched <laughs> that at home um, right before Christmas because I'm trying to show him the good kids' movies and mm-hmm, not, mm-hmm. you know, Baby Shark, shut the fuck up. People who <laughs> keep saying Baby Shark around my kid. Uh, then I watched The French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's latest film with pretty much everyone on the planet in it. Yeah, uh, You could check out my my solo review of that that I shot when Glenn was on vacation that is on our YouTube. Uh, then I watched, I took uh, my, my little baby boy uh, to his first movie theater experience. We saw Ron's Gone Wrong. He ah. stayed up for, he, he was watching intently for 40 minutes. Which is impressive. That, for, that's, that's pretty good for a six-month-old to watch, like paying attention for forty minutes, and then he fell asleep, which was the cutest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Just slept on me the rest of the time. Uh, Adorable. That movie is, you know, it's a good kids movie. It's it's fine. I'm I am uh, not sad or upset that I watched it. You know, with him asleep the majority of the time. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a solid film, but uh, you know, I I mainly did it for the experience to try to get him. Uh, acclimated to movie theaters he's got to get used to it he's gotta if he if he wants to be my if he, like he could be you know anything he he could like god forbid come back home a republican one day and i would still love him but goddamn, if he doesn't love movies <laughs> shun get out how dare you uh but yeah he's adorable i'm surprised he actually paid attention to the movie his face was so cute. He looked no, that, like that. Really, is super impressive that he stayed yeah. up that long. And he was like, you, you saw the picture. Did mm-hmm. I show you the picture of him actually watching the movie or just in the theater? I think you posted the picture of him watching the movie. Right? Yeah, because he was like, yeah. he was like, just because I think I saw both. Yeah, his eyes were like so wide when he was when he was watching it. Uh, but yeah, cool experience. Um, mm-hmm. 
and we were the only ones in there, so I didn't feel bad when he started crying one time. Uh, then I watched Bullet, which is a Steve McQueen movie where he's a cop. This is like a really, it felt like a really independent movie. You know, there's independent cop dramas where it's just like ghost for realism over uh, like a movie. There's mm-hmm. no music in it pretty much at all, except for like practical music as they go through a club or whatever, uh, which was pretty cool. It's it's a really cool action film um, with a, a, a cool little mystery in it as well. There's a scene in it that is definitely, you could tell that Heat was inspired by it. Uh, the the Michael Mann film yeah um, but yeah Bullet pretty pretty solid action movie from the uh, the sixties then I watched last night in Soho uh, review up on the YouTube's for that um, Edgar Wright's latest film check out that review then I watched Demon Sea we'll get to in a minute and then I watched Antlers which by the time this is out there will be a review of that on YouTube as well yes so check that out lots of reviews lately it's so that's a lot yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I uh, I saw the past couple weeks. Uh, I hear you got a little bit of news. I do, and it is so goofy. You know how everything you love is sometimes ruined, or sometimes it's faithfully adapted. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I have a little adaptation that most people weren't ready for the first time around when they heard this person is doing Mario. <laughs> but not only is he now doing Mario, Chris Pratt is also moving over to Garfield, the mm. orange lasagna loving kitty. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a little fun news. I think that they had just announced today, actually, a couple hours ago. Yeah, so uh he is now going to be voicing as not only uh, Mario, but also Garfield. That is a worse casting than him being Mario. Like him being Mario is not a great casting, but I can't see him being like a, a cynical I actually feel like he could do I def- Mario is a weird one, just because the same person has done Mario for so long. Yeah, yeah. I feel but, like he could pull off, he could kind of pull off Garfield. But like, now, let's let's put it this way: if yeah. the voice actor of Mario was dead, and they said Chris Pratt, yeah, people would still be like, "Oh, that's weird." But okay, the mm-hmm. only reason people were up in a like a hissy fit about it is because of um, their the guy who played Mario was still alive. Uh, but with Garfield, he is known to have like a very monotone, boring voice. Oh, mm-hmm. Mondays! I hate Mondays, et cetera, et cetera. I can't imagine Chris Pratt doing that. Yeah, he, he's just too excited all of the time in every single role he is. Granted, he might surprise me. I was but that, say, he might whip out those acting chops. Yes, yes, but I, I think it's a weird choice, weirder also, than Mario. Other than definitely with Mario, it's hard to. Uh, say that you're making a Mario movie and put it out and actually get an audience in by just having that one actor play everybody. So, I mean, it makes sense, yes. Yeah. But uh, it is super weird. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. This will be a new interesting thing that we're going to uh, have right up on our uh, our mainstream platforms or mm-hmm. whatever is going to happen here soon. So yes. get ready for that. Yeah. Well, I believe that was all you had, right? That is all I had. All right, so let's get into Demon Seed. Mm. The last, ooh, I've, it's also the last week of our spooktacular. It is, it is. I meant to mention that. I meant to mention that in the beginning and just completely forgot. So, our last movie of this year's spooktacular, Demon Seed. I cannot touch your body as a man touches you, but I'm going to show you things which human eyes have never seen. 
in the privacy of a woman's room against her will the inconceivable act Julie Christie carries the demon seed a scientist creates Proteus an organic supercomputer with artificial intelligence which becomes obsessed with human beings and in particular the creator's wife you practiced that. I and did. I, I yeah, did. I will, I will not take no for an answer. I, <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, directed by Donald Camel or Camel. I did not research how to pronounce that because I'm not as dedicated as you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, based on the novel by Dean R. Kuntz, uh, written by Robert Jaffe and Roger O. Hearson. Uh, it stars Julia Christie, Julie Christie, Fritz Weaver, Garrett Graham, and Barry Kroger. Uh, this was a streaming roulette pick. It was the one we picked out of the three from last week that we spun on the wheel. Um, and I knew, I didn't even know this movie existed. Mm-hmm. Same here. Never saw a poster, never saw a, a still from it, never saw or heard any references to it. Legitimately flew completely under the radar, but apparently it is popular enough to be on Criterion Channel. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, I... I feel let me just look at yeah this is i i feel like this is kind of a earth locked 2001 space odyssey ripoff mm-hmm. uh where you know the the computer goes crazy and and starts trying to hurt people um but it's also kind of mixed with like i don't know like a not a frankenstein but you know it's the it's it's doing a science experiment essentially. Yeah, where it's, it's like it's a mad scientist computer. It's 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 a weird combination, but you know, and maybe it's because you know we're fifty years removed from this or however long it's been, but it didn't feel original at all. Like nothing about it felt like new. Yeah, I am. I am curious. Obviously, um, two thousand one came out before this. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I don't. It does feel like something else that we've seen before, and I don't know if there was something before this that felt like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it definitely did feel like a weird mixture of where it didn't feel too original at all. It just felt inorganic, and not organic as this supercomputer seems to lead on that it is. Yeah. Um, no, but it, it was weird. It does give off those super vibes of... Uh, What's it, what is it? The Hal Hal numbers? I can't remember the. Uh, uh, Hal, I think it's God. Now I'm two thousand. I want to say it's like Hal Hal nine thousand. Nine thousand. It's honestly, I'm sorry. I haven't watched Space. Yeah, Hal, or, Hal nine thousand. Uh, in a long time. I usually know that. I one of my hard drives is actually called that. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. I just uh, I, um, I forgot because you were se- making me second guess. <laughs> but yeah, but the Proteus like immediately you get vibes like I feel I feel like any movie that really tries to do that and making an AI is and it has some sort of deep voice or just like monotone voice just mm-hmm. you immediately get vibes from that and that's kudos to two thousand one for just making that you know mark yeah. on any movie. And I, I'm not even sure if that's an original idea from yeah. from that movie, but that's what I know it from. I don't know any movie before that that did it. Um, but you know, when when you have a movie like I, I know a lot of people don't like 2001: Space Odyssey because it's long and drawn out and everything. But there's no no doubt to anyone that it is an iconic cinematic 
like masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like whether you like it or not is not is is you know up to you. But like it's iconic. You you can't take that away from it. There's everyone knows uh, the song. Everyone knows how. Go, what are you doing, Dave? I'm afraid I can't let you do that, Dave. Mm-hmm. Open the pod day, bay doors. There's there's so many things from it that people know. Um, and uh, so that's that's why I'm fairly certain that that's like the first one of its kind. But I honestly, I could be wrong. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like like I was saying, you immediately get vibes from that. I mean, you you just know which way this movie is gonna go and oh, how yeah. it's gonna do it. And that's that's the part where it definitely feels inorganic on that sense. It's just like you you know, robots doing spoopy shit. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> now the now what it actually does that's that's a whole different thing. If you didn't read the synopsis, I wasn't ready for all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it w- it was super goofy. Um, on how that it started going that direction. Yeah, it, it kind of, I don't know, it feels weird and, and kind of pervy in a way. Uh, I mean, like there's even points where, yeah. I, I can't remember if it's Julie Christie's character or not, but there's uh, one, if not more than one naked woman on screen uh, for extended periods of time. And there's really no payoff to it. I had only seen Julie Christie's character. I, I was like half paying attention for so at, at the beginning of the scene and thought it was a different person. Uh, at the I mean, beginning, I, so. I could be wrong. I was, <laughs> I was in and out sometimes no, yeah, in this I'm, movie. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're right because it would make more. That would make more sense than it just being a random person that never shows up again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, regardless, mm-hmm. I. There was no need for it. Like, I know they're, like, trying to do the whole computer is watching her kind of thing. But, like, the the there's no... It was gratuitous in, yeah. in, in the nudity. Uh, and I have no problem with nudity, obviously. I, sometimes I like it. But, you know, mm-hmm. when, it, when it feels like someone is being exploited or, uh, you know, it, it's in there just to sell tickets, that's when it's, like, it's gross. Yeah. And, and this is one of those instances. Um and uh, it just—it's a—it's a weird movie. It, it kind of felt like—it kind of felt like a uh, David Cronenberg film in a bit, in a way. I don't know if you're too familiar with him. Yeah. Uh, not as much body horror as he normally has, but like he—he he always like explores the themes of technology and sex, mm-hmm. and and that yeah, that's kind of what this felt like. Maybe this is like one of the, his favorite movies. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but, but it uh, it did feel like a David Cronenberg film, and uh, I forgot that Donald Camel directed it, and then was in my head thinking, "Oh yeah, this must be one of David Cronenberg's first. And then it's a Dave, Donald Camel, uh, and yeah. Um, but yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of this movie. Um, there there is one thing that like right like as soon as the movie kind of started and got into like the characters, um, uh, what. What was the... Oh, there it is. Uh, Fritz Weaver's character. Um, his character reminded me so much of a movie we just watched, uh, Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll, um, where his science he's like, you just don't find me interesting, and just like how the dynamic yeah. between Julie Christie and his character was. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it felt like that immediately. It's just that he felt like the Dr. Jekyll to this, this whole thing. And then... Uh, this is a weird comparison, and then of course uh, Proteus is Mister Hyde in the situation yeah, in a weird yeah. way. 
Um, but yeah, it's like immediately watching like this, this motherfucker feels like uh, that Dr. Jekyll guy we just watched. Yeah. That's so weird. But yeah, it was such a goofy movie, and most of it just is between Julie Christie and the Proteus uh, robot, mm-hmm. um, and just like the struggle that uh, you know that she kind of has to. Yeah. Well, not kind of has. She definitely is dealing with <laughs> throughout yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Uh, it's such a weird uh, point to just make. I mean, it is a book, so I mean, obviously it was done before. It's not like somebody sat there and it was like, you know what movie people would want to watch. This robot Computer impregnating <laughs> a woman. Yeah, that's Against her will, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think Julie Christie is probably, for me, the only saving grace of this film. Yes. Um, I, I found this movie, like, it, it, it's weird, because the movie moved very quickly to the point where there was no suspense whatsoever, mm-hmm. because there's just like, this is what's happening, it's happening now. Did you like it? No? Okay, well, this is happening now. We're not building... <laughs> there is no build-up to anything at yeah. all. Uh, but Julie Christie really kind of lets you live through the situation through her in a way um, and and is the only reason that this has like any redeeming qualities, in my opinion. It has some pretty cool effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I got to commend it for kind of predicting how houses would be in the future. Uh, I still stand by the idea that anyone that lets a computer control their doors locks is an idiot. The C- upcoming scream most movie. Most of their life is yeah. just insane. But door locks, especially because hundred oh, percent. Like I, in in the screen upcoming scream, it's a little different because you can still unlock them with your hand, but like mm-hmm. they can be unlocked by a computer too. That's dumb. But in this, there's you can't even unlock them with your hand. Yeah, it's just by the computer. So complete lockdown. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. Like, it's super I, and dumb. I'm not. I'm not like afraid of technology or anything. But that is the one thing. Things are so easily hackable. People yeah. trust technology too much. My my baby. I don't have any any Wi-Fi connected baby monitors or Wi-Fi connected baby things at all because people just like hacking them. There's videos online of people hacking them. People trust technology too much, and technology is a great thing. It's it's wonderful. It's one of my favorite things, but you got to be dumb to trust it that much, including with locks. Yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that I, I'm afraid of technology. I am afraid of what, like what's to come eventually. Like It, it is... Uh, I don't have like a fear. I just like I'm like, oh well that's gonna be creepy as shit one day. Like yeah. some some crap like this is gonna go down where robots are just like and it always blows my mind when people are like, Wow, oh, we have to we have to further the progress of robots and stuff like that. Motherfucker, do you watch any of these movies? Do you mm-hmm. want, do you read any of these books on the robot takeover? Stop. Yeah. Stop it, you goose. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, the f- the future of this shit and how human life just wants to proceed with AI and robots does does kind of give me the chills on what it could be one day. Yeah, it's, I don't think there should ever be fully artificial intelligence. No, I think and, it's dumb. And uh, you know, it, they're it's, not all going to be Robin Williams and Bicentennial Man. Yeah, for real. Just they're going to be like uh, iRobot or uh, Terminator mm-hmm. or. It's, it's not going to be good. It's yeah, not going to be good. Sure. No bueno. Um, no bueno. Yeah. But yeah, for sure, Julie Christie was the rock of this movie here. Yeah, she was um, incredible in this. Like, I, mm-hmm. I loved her performance. Very yes, believable. Absolutely. Um, um, but really, there's, there's not too much noteworthy of it, um, other than it being creepy because of futuristics and stuff yeah. like that. His, um, his, and, uh, his 
the computer's um, motivation was it was it made sense, but it was dumb. Like the whole like oh man is is uh is greedy and wants to do uh, mine this metal in the ocean mm-hmm. for greed. Uh, it, it's the very basic idea, and and it kind of just kind of dawned on him. That's kind of goes back to the whole. There's no building of suspense or anything. We never see the computer learn anything. It just knows things that's, automatically. Yeah, that's that's also the thing too. Is when it was doing some shit like processing or showing anything on screen, mm-hmm. it was just doing weird shapes and figures and stuff like that. It was that. like a '90s screensaver. Yeah, it was like an it was abstract painting in, in yeah. sorts of ways, and it. <laughs> Like you want to see like ones and zeros and stuff like that, or just yeah. even if not that, you just want to see a red dot on a screen or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, it even had an, like an eyeball when Proteus introduced himself to Julie Christie's character. Yeah, um, it was it was just I don't I didn't like the way like the robot's uh, figure was kind of presented, like what it was supposed to like look like as an entity on screen yeah. or something like that. It was it was very weird mm-hmm. for me at least. The there was um one part that like I was as it was happening I really enjoyed, uh and that was when uh Garrett Graham's character, um what's his character's name? I lost the Walter. Page. Walter yeah Walter when he came to check on uh, on Julie Christie, and uh, kind of sees what's going on, and like the computer starts attacking him. Uh, I, I thought it was a really interest. It was the most interesting part of the movie, other than Julie Christie's performance, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of building up his character. There was a little bit of action. Uh, he started being encased in, in by the uh, little orb thing up by the giant trapezoid, and, then, and and it was like building up to his head being cut off. And then when his head was cut off, it was the most unsatisfying thing ever. <laughs> it, it just literally very, turned into a mannequin head. Yeah, very fake looking head uh, that f- it focused on too much. There was like no blood at all, which, you know, I understand why the blood's probably inside and all that shit. Mm-hmm. But it's it just all that build up. The one time in the movie that there's build up and this, the the result is so unsatisfying. Yeah, um, it, it's it, it has a lot of cool ideas. I think the movie thinks it's smarter than it is. Uh, mm-hmm, it definitely mm-hmm. feels like someone was writing, oh, this is so smart. And the book might be better. I, I haven't read the book. Ooh, I have yeah, to check knows? with Papa Hicks to see if he read the book because he loves Dean Koontz. Um, but it, it's, it's a very weak movie uh, that, you know. It's really uplifted by Julie Christie. It's really uplifted by Julie Christie, but overall boring in, mm-hmm. in, in the long run. Uh, but I don't really have anything else to say about it. Same here, brother. Yeah, so uh, that brings us to the judgment for Demon Seed. Will it go on to the KFR shelf with the likes of Handmaiden and Apostle? I switched it up. Oh, you did? I switched it up. I did that on accident, but we're going to pretend like it was on purpose. Uh, as always, it has to be a unanimous decision whether or not it goes on the shelf. And uh, since it was streaming, I'll go first. Uh, okay. I, I think I said... Everything that I've had, you know, I, I can't really add to it. It's just boring. Uh, there's n- no suspense build up at all. They they have things happen and then it's solved immediately. Uh, and there's no build up to anyone's decisions or anything. Mm-hmm. It's a very sporadic film. No suspense at all. So I'm going to say no, it does not go on the shelf. 
<sighs> I'm I'm gonna have to side with you, brother. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm gonna have to do it. Um, I How think Julie you? Christie gets a spot on the shelf. I think she deserves to be hanging up there. She does deserve mm-hmm. to be on the shelf. Can we, also, um, can we talk about how gross that baby was at the end? It was a very gross baby, very and then, gross, and then had it had a t- terrible eighty yard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I have arrived, or whatever I've he arrived. says. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was that terrible. was such a weird thing. It weird really ending. Was. Weird yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Here we are. So, Demon Seed does not make it onto the KFR shelf, but I just want to point this spooktacular has been a raving success. We had fifty yeah, percent really of the movies go on the shelf, which mm-hmm. you know. I don't remember what last it's, year it's year's was, but that, sure. I still feel like that's a pretty good spooktacular. So yeah. uh, I appreciate everyone that t- joined us on this entire six-movie adventure. But Demon Seed does not make it on the shelf. That brings us to our plugs for next week. I'm going to throw a wrench in our system here. Glenn, you're <laughs> going first for plugs. Hey, that's fine with me. I got a really goofy one. Mm. One that I actually showed you very recently. Ooh. Um, we all know The Matrix is coming up. Of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I'm just throwing this in there because I really didn't have anything else. But I think this is funny enough to where anybody else would love it. Um, now, we all know that Lawrence Fishburne isn't going to be in the next Matrix. And uh, I just found out this wasn't actually uh, this. I don't know if this is actually canon, Mike. So I could have. I'm sorry. I was wrong on that. So now what it means, however, of why Lawrence Fishburne isn't in there, who knows? But uh my, this, I believe you are correct that it is canon because I remember uh, reading that it was. Interesting. Well, here's what we've got. Uh, the Matrix Online, the classic MMORPG from like 2003 or some bullshit. Uh, <laughs> the death of Morpheus. And uh, this is a good uh, one, and a, one minute and 50 second clip of uh, our boy Morpheus dying in such, such a interesting way of all the mm. ways that Morpheus could have went down and of course on these PS2 graphics or whatever it was on a PC probably back in the day uh, really does justice to Lawrence Fishburne and his great acting and everything like that and what he mm-hmm. made the character to be so we're going to go on to YouTube The Matrix Online Death of Morpheus <laughs> just watch it it's so goofy it's a minute it is, and a half it is time. really goofy really bad uh, <laughs> early 2000s video game animation It wasn't us. You have as good a chance of finding out who killed him as we do. They're lying, Niobe! We'll see. And we'll see justice done. Well, 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 what could you do? Uh, What could you do? That is your plug. Oh, Mm. interesting. My plug uh, is going to be... uh, I I have plugged the the podcast overall Mm -hmm. uh, on on this podcast before. A24 has a podcast... Uh, But they recently just released an episode. They release an episode like once every six months. So if you're not subscribed to them, they you should be because they don't bombard you like this podcast does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, A24 has a podcast. Uh, The latest episode that was released on October 27th is uh, Practical Magic with David Lowry and Elijah Wood. Mm. David Lowry, uh, many will know as the director of The Green Knight, A Ghost Story. 
and uh, Pete's Dragon, Elijah Wood. Uh, this is Elijah Wood. If you don't know who he is, where have you been? Where have you been? Uh, but yeah, it, I I listened to this. Um, honestly, they're the A twenty. I love A twenty four. Their podcasts really depends on who's on it for mm-hmm. me because there's there's times where there's people on it where it's just like they take themselves too seriously or or you know it it really depends um or i just don't care about their work but i love david lowry i love elijah wood they both are friends they both have a good time that's uh, good. good david lowry seems like a pretty chill dude and doesn't take himself too seriously um so yeah he talks about the green knight and uh also tells you where the giant heart that dev patel was holding in a uh uh behind the scenes picture that wasn't in the movie he explains what that's from so the uh, yeah the a24 podcast practical magic with david lowry and elijah wood that can be on any podcasting platform hi i'm elijah wood and i'm david lowry and we are talking on the a24 podcast the a24 podcast indeed yeah hi david it's so great to see you it's so good to see you too forever it has been i feel like it's been Oh well, it's over two years because it's it's certainly yeah, pre-pandemic. Yeah, then, so sometime around. pre-pandemic, I was out in LA and yeah. we hung out. But I don't know, time time means nothing anymore. <laughs> Dude, I know. Yeah, right. and those are our plugs for this week. That brings us to our assignment for next week. It is my turn. Our first in a long time non-horror film. Uh, although this did come up when I was doing a a roulette with horror genre. Uh, for streaming roulette, so um, but it's not a horror. Uh, <laughs> at least I don't think. <laughs> I don't know if it is. We're I, gonna find knows? out, I guess. But uh, it is going to be on Netflix, and it is called The Giant. It is, uh, I believe, it's Spanish, uh, but from a specific, uh, like group of people called Basque people in in Spain. Hmm. I don't know. I I'm not going to complain to know the uh the you know what's the word i'm looking for 2019 it is from it's 2017 the giants but it is a it's based on a true story and a story about the world's tallest man this is an unsettling basque language period drama focused on sibling rivalry uh directed by ator Aregi and john gariano uh and uh written by uh ator Aregi, john gariano and Jose Marie Goignaga. You always um, pick the ones with the. I do. <laughs> well, that's because I like those movies. <laughs> uh, it's starring uh, Joseba Usabiaga, uh, Eneko Sargadoy, uh, Inigo Aranburu, and Ramon Aguirre. Probably butchered those names. And the um, original title for this film is Handea. 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 However it is. But yeah, I, the trailer when I watched it looked really interesting, but I determined. Uh, when I was trying to pick a horror movie that it was not horror enough. I don't know if there's going to be any horror elements in it, but it's mm-hmm. based on a true story, so I don't think there will be. Who knows? We'll Who see. Who knows? We'll find out for sure. Su Majestad, 
Si a su Alteza le gustara nuestro espectáculo, no, nos abriría las puertas de viajar al extranjero y así. Es retrasado. But that is our pick for next week, The Giant on Netflix. Thank you everyone for listening. As always, you can check out our website at www.keystonefilmreview.com. On Instagram, we are Keystone underscore film underscore review. Twitter, Keystone underscore film. Facebook, Keystone Film Review. YouTube, Keystone Film Review. TikTok, Keystone Film Review. And on Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And that will do it until next week when we talk about a big boy. Ooh, a really big boy. Yeah, his name is Miguel Joaquin. Oh, God, why did I start trying to pronounce this? Elisegui. 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 Elis. Yes. 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 Good Goodbye, morrow, my good friends. We good shall morrow. see you. Goodbye. Hail and well met.